You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. church that we're not just sitting here all bored in a service or, or putting on an event and there is love in this room and uh, man we love our church and we thank you lord for our church family uh, i'm wondering here if any of you who are parents or if any of you who are children would admit this about your parents but i'm just wondering how many of you would say that you have some weird parenting habits like, oh, no, no, my name's Kevin, and I have weird parenting habits. Hi, Kevin, right? How many of you children would say, yes, my parents have weird... Those hands went up way faster. Those hands, man, I have weird parenting habits. And I'm at this stage right now. I have three little boys, uh, eight, five, almost six, uh, and then three. And I'm at this stage where I think I'm still getting away with my weird parenting habits, you know? Like, they still find them entertaining. They're still playing along. But I, I'm sensing that I'm coming up on, a, on an era here where my kids are going to stop laughing and start rolling their eyes, if you know what I, you know what I mean. So I do this weird thing. I'm going to share one with you. And so um, you're going to think I'm a total dork. But um, I talk to my wife about my kids, but I do it like in the presence of my kids, and I speak loud enough so that way like, I'm actually talking to them. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else? You do that? So, so for example, and it works, though. This is why I'm so torn. So my three-year-old, right, if I, if I want him to, like, obey quickly, I'll say, Mom, do you know how fast Grayson obeys? He is such a quick obeyer, you know? And what does Grayson do, my little three-year-old? Yeah, I obey super food, right? He runs. If my boys, if my middle and my oldest are, are playing nicely together on the couch and there are no fisticuffs that are breaking out, I'll say, Mom, our boys get so, they get along so well, man. And when, when brothers get along, Daddy's happy. I just got to tell you, babe, right? And they're sitting here going, and Rick, would you like to have a turn with the sweat? It's just like, you're like, this is called parental manipulation. I know, but it works. You know? And so it's like I'm having these conversations in my house where it's like, hey, hey, babe, between you and me, and then. You know what I'm talking about? Just between you and me, Jordan, and them. Weird parenting habits. I, I was thinking about that this week. I, I was paying extra special attention to it because that's kind of exactly what's happening this morning at East Point Church. The passage of scripture that we're about to dive into, the text that we're opening to, it is a conversation, a very important conversation that is written from the author to elders. This is a passage of scripture that is written directly, addressing directly the men who are called to lead a church known as elders or overseers. But here's what's interesting. As Peter, as the Apostle Peter writes this message, as he directly and frankly exhorts the elders of a local church, he puts that letter, he puts that address in the public letter that is going to be read to the entire congregation. He talks directly to elders, but he's saying it loud enough so that everybody in the church can hear what he's saying to them. The very people who the elders are, are meant to lead are going to hear what Peter is saying to them. And why do you think this morning, church, why do you think that the apostle Peter would say to the elders, between you and me and all of them. Why do you think he would say that? I think it's pretty obvious. He wants the church to know what is expected of these men. He wants you and me to know what is expected of these men. You see, what God is doing through his church matters 
I'm not talking about East Point Church. That's East Point Church with a little c. I'm not talking about Anchor Church. It's Anchor Church with a little c. I'm talking about through the global universal church, the community of God's people, what God is doing in the world through the church matters. The church is not a club like Kiwanis. The church is not just a community service, uh, extracurricular activity. No, friends, the church is the community of God that is carrying out his mission to save the world. The church is the salt and light in a decaying and dark world. It's the messengers of hope. The church is the bride of Christ. How many of you know that the church matters? There's a movement right now to give up on the church. But you know what I would say to you if you gave up on my bride? It is worse. This is the bride of Christ. She's not perfect. But she's his, and it matters. And so for the next few weeks, friends, we're going to enter into a series because what God is doing through the church, let me say it this way, there is too much on the line. There is too much at stake. There is too much riding on the condition of the church for there to be any confusion or for there to be any misunderstanding about how those who he appoints to lead should be. We all need to be clear on what the expectation is for elders. And so as a form of accountability, in, in a way to, to safeguard against any potential misunderstanding of what's expected or abuses of the position, God's design for elders is communicated to elders, but in front of everybody. And we call it shepherd, the flock of God. Shepherd, the flock of God. So if you're here this morning, this is going to be real, if you're here this morning and you have ever felt the pain, if you've ever experienced the fallout of bad leadership or abusive leadership, you want to tune in this series to see what God's take is on that. If you're here this morning and you have ever aspired toward, if you've ever felt a, a pull or a call to leadership in the church, pay attention, take notes in this series. If you're a leader here, if you've ever felt overwhelmed, <laughs> if you've ever felt weary, if you've ever felt like giving up, pay attention to this series and you'll be encouraged. And then lastly, if you're here and you are currently an elder at East Point Church, have ears to hear. Because after all, he's talking directly to us. It's just between us and him and everyone else as he tells us to shepherd the flock of God. So are you guys ready? We're going to go 1 Peter chapter 5. We're just going to do five verses. And what I like to do is we're going to take a passage of scripture and we're just going to do one of these moves. Just like bring it out. And let's just, let's just sit in five verses and let's see everything that God has to say in his word for us. Can we do that? 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's read all five verses and then we'll pray. That's how it goes. So I exhort the elders among you. As a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Father, we're not here to, to give a presentation this morning. I'm not here to give a speech, to give a talk. Lord, we're here because we want to hear from you. So God, we invite you into this space. Would you speak to us, Father, through your word and by your spirit? We are listening. Would you open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your word? We love you, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Let's look at it again. Verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Number one, he says, from one elder to another. Listen up. 
from one elder to another. Listen up. There's an exhortation here. There is, there's a call to action. He says, I exhort the elders. Speaking of parents, how many of you have that voice that your kids know you ain't playing games? Wow, Gracie, you ate all your food. You know, that's a safe voice. I said, Grayson? Ooh, that's daddy's. Like, this is, there's that tone, right? Peter's using that tone here. He says, I, I exhort you. There is something that the Bible is urging to elders. Literally, the word elder means overseer, which we'll dive into. I'm urging the elders. This is not a recommendation. This is not a suggestion. This is not just a, hey, here's my take on things. No, this is an earnest plea. He's catching their attention and calling them to action. And what is, or, or who is this exhortation from? Well, we're in the book of Peter, 1 Peter. It's written by the apostle Peter. But look how he identifies himself. He says, I'm writing to you as a fellow elder. You know, we've been in Mark for the last year, and we know Peter. Peter has been in this thing from the very beginning. He's what I call an OG disciple. Friends, he was there. He was one of the first called out of the boat. He was there. He witnessed the sufferings of Christ. He's not hearing this third or fourth hand. He's like, I was there. And then I love how he throws in here because we'll get to this. And he says, don't forget, and I'm going to be there too. When Jesus comes back, I was there from day one, and I'm going to be there on day infinity. He says, I'm appealing to you as a fellow elder. And I just wonder if anybody here remembers how he became an elder. Does anybody remember Peter's journey to leadership? Let me just say it this way. It was not a highlight reel. All right? Peter was not publishing a book on six ways to become a successful church leader. No, no, no. Dude, this is the guy who denied Jesus Christ three times. Remember Good Friday? This is the guy who knew that to identify with Jesus would be so dangerous that when random strangers came up, they're like, yo, aren't you his boy? Like, no, I don't know that guy. Like, no, no, I'm pretty sure I saw you. Aren't you one of his followers? I said I don't know him. Hey, everybody, I think this is the guy. I don't know him. I have nothing to do with him. This doesn't sound like the guy who's in line for a promotion. And yet we read the story, and after the resurrection, Jesus seeks Peter. And we see about one of the most famous breakfasts of all time. It says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? But Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. So Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Jesus gives him a chance to reaffirm his love for him. How many times? Three times. The same amount of time that he denied him. And each time that Peter reaffirms his love, Jesus exhorts him to nurture, to watch over, to care for his sheep. Every time that Peter says he loves him, Jesus calls him and appoints him and installs him as an elder, as a shepherd. And apparently, church, apparently, an elder's genuine love for Jesus is expressed by the tender care and love for his sheep. And so this moment would be etched in Peter's mind forever. How many of you have poor memories? Right? You can still smell that Thanksgiving dinner from eight years when you were eight years old. Right? Like just one of those core memories. This is a core memory for Peter. Peter, do you love me? Well then love them too. Elders, do you love me? Well then love them too. I'm appointing you, Peter, as an overseer of my church. I'm entrusting to you my people. Peter, I'm entrusting to you my sheep. And here's my point of all this. The man who is exhorting the elders among you, he's passing on what he himself received from Jesus. And so here's why this is important. What we're going to do here for the next few weeks, this is not man-made. 
This idea of eldership is not like the latest creative leadership strategy. This is not some cool new pop culture. This is not a new idea. Friends, what we are doing here, what Peter is giving us, we are attempting to listen to and to respond to the direction and exhortation of Jesus Christ himself. God has a design for his church. Jesus Christ, as he was leaving, set things in order. He has a design for you. He has a plan in his mind for how you are to be organized, for how you are to be cared for, for how you are to be protected. He has a specific vision all because he loves you. And he shared this plan with Peter, and now Peter says to the elders among you, I exhort you. So here's Peter sharing. Are we ready? This is the meat of it. From one elder to another, between me and you, elders, and them, here's the call. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Second point is this. Elders, lead like Christ for the reward of Christ. Lead like Christ for the reward of Christ. Peter gives his earnest call, right? His earnest plea. He goes, I exhort you. You need to hear me. Shepherd the flock. Shepherd. The flock, I imagine, because they're reading this in front of the whole church, I imagine the more literal members of their congregation going, did he just call me a flock? Did he just refer to us as a flock? Maybe they don't get it, because maybe they weren't there. But Jesus is using and reading, or I'm sorry, Peter is using and passing on the same imagery and metaphor that Jesus gave him. The congregation is Jesus' sheep. You guys are Jesus' lambs. Collectively, you are his flock. There's <laughs> just too many of them. I cut them all out of my sermon, I promise. That was my only one. You're his flock. That's why when Peter addresses the elders, he doesn't say, shepherd your flock. Hello? He doesn't say, shepherd your flock. He says, shepherd the flock of God. Elders, they're not yours. They're God's people. Shepherds. You're, it's, you're not the end all be all. This is Jesus' congregation. He is their good shepherd. And before we, we, we get you know, bent out of shape or think, oh, flock, I don't know if I like this metaphor. I'm telling you, it's my favorite metaphor for salvation. This is my favorite image of what God has done to me. I was a wandering and lost sheep. Can we just pause for a minute and like, remember the gospel? I was a sheep who could not find my way, spiritually speaking. Anybody else? I was lost, but then I was found. Jesus, the good shepherd, came after us, the lost sheep. He picked us up, he put us on his shoulders, and he brought us back into the fold of God. Is that your testimony? It's mine. And guess what? Once he dropped me off in the sheep pen, I still try to get out sometimes. My fickle sheep feet still tend to walk. And yet, he doesn't just drop me off and say, good luck, I'll be back. He drops me off, and he shepherds us. Somebody this morning, you need to remember what we're doing here is all in the context of our good shepherd. Peter says, for you were straying like sheep. No offense, but it's true. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Anybody grateful for Jesus, our chief shepherd? The shepherd of our soul stinks. But look what the shepherd does. Watch this. Look what the shepherd does. He rescues us. He carries us. He saves us. He brings us into the folds of God. And then he hires, he appoints under shepherds to watch over and shepherd this It's a lot of trust, Jesus. He saves us. He rescues us. He brings us into the fold. And he taps people to say, I want you to nurture and shepherd and sustain and feed and protect 
my flock. That's heavy. That's heavy. One thing that stands out this week here, and I needed to hear this this week as I prepped this, he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Elders are not responsible for policing the world. They're responsible for shepherding the flock that is entrusted to them. I needed to learn that. Several years ago, I just, my wife can tell, I used to get twisted. You know what I mean? Like, I used to just see things that were happening in other sheepfolds or, or see other under-shepherds, and I was judgmental and arrogant, and I was like, ah! And the Lord had to just like, you're not called to police the world. You're called to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. To be an elder is not a global position. I am not an elder at Bay Area Community Church. I am not an elder at First Baptist Church. I'm not an elder at Anchor Church. I'm not an elder at NCC. I'm an elder at East Point Church. There is leadership over a local congregation. This is a leadership position over those who have committed to being here, who have formally asked us to shepherd them. From that wall to that wall, from the front to the back, look around this is us. This is us. And so I just, as your pastor, can I just add something else there? When you do church online, when you wander from church to church, when you, when you are the new guy every three to six months, you are a sheep without a sheepfold. Well, I'm part of the universal sheepfold. You know, I'm part of the, God's my shepherd. And yes, I get that, but... But I'm just saying, like, are you participating and partaking in Jesus' design? He told Peter, Peter told me, I'm telling you, this is just, this is Jesus' design. You are not under the caring and watchful eyes of a local under-shepherd. Commit to a local church. That's why we practice ministry partnership here, right? You've got to be here. You've got to put down roots. Because this is Jesus' design. And so that's a lot of responsibility, isn't it? Think of, think of Marriage Monday in the Cassis household. How many of you guys do date nights? Anybody do date nights? Bad question. How many of you need date night? Yeah! There it is, right? Nobody was taking notes until that moment. They're like, date night. And so we're not, we're not perfect at it, but we try to practice Marriage Monday. You know what I mean? And we're not like, we're not to eat every Monday because that's money, you know? But at least we just try to, to look eyes, check in, and if we hit 50% of our Marriage Monday, it's great, you know? But what we do is we realize, we have learned, that marriage Monday is impossible with the children. And so we uh, started a ministry called Babysitting in our household. Um, how many of you guys use a babysitter? Bad question. How many of you need a babysitter? There it is. Okay. And so here's what happens. The babysitter comes over and, and we entrust our children to them. It's the most vulnerable thing. So if, you're, if you're a parent of a newborn, like that would be a milestone. The first time you leave your human being produced and birthed and spawned with another human being. It's, it's so vulnerable. And, and you leave the children and you, and you, you show them where the, the food is and here's the lights and in case of emergency, here's the numbers. And you walk out of the house and there's such a feeling of, it's on you. I've entrusted my children to you. Friends, this morning, Jesus, the good shepherd, he entrusts his sheep to smaller under-shepherds and he tells them, Shepherd my flock. Shepherd my flock. And here's how they're to do it. He doesn't just tell them to shepherd. He tells them how. He goes, shepherd the flock of God. How? Exercising oversight. We translate that into our common language here. Elders lead. Elders lead. Elders lead. Lead. Oversee. What has been put under your care? Think of the metaphor of a shepherd, right? What kind of shepherd would sit by the door to the sheepfold, lounging back, feet up, reading the newspaper, going, anybody come and go as you please? Yeah, help yourself to whatever you find in there. It's fine. Lamb chops forever. You know, just... That's not a shepherd. No, a shepherd is sitting up. A shepherd is vigilant. A shepherd understands that they are on watch. They're not passively letting anyone or anything come into the sheepfold because they're in charge. They take ownership. They're on watch. They go, I'm leading. In the same way, elders, in the same way, you're on watch. 
You've been made responsible. Don't forget it. You need to lead with an understanding that this is under your supervision. The sheep are under your care, and you are accountable for what happens on your watch. You're to lead. You're to lead. What do you picture when you hear the word lead? For many people in our culture, the word lead has become a four-letter word. I mean, it is a four-letter word, but you know what I mean. The word lead, man, is just... It's loaded. It's loaded. So maybe you're here and maybe you're like me where, where the word leader causes you to feel gratitude. I'm so grateful for the leaders of my life. From the time I was in middle school, I, I'm just telling you, it's, it's abnormal. I know the Lord has just given me leader after leader after leader in my life who has spoken life into my life, who have given me good examples, who have encouraged me, all those things. And so the word leader for me is it's a positive word. But maybe you're here and, and the word lead just... Start to sweat a little bit. Maybe there's a little bit of mistrust that brews, and, and maybe there's pain associated with that. And just, I, I think we can understand what I'm saying. There are many different definitions of leader. Are there not? And so Jesus, knowing this, he doesn't just say lead and then peace out. He defines it for us. He doesn't leave it up to our interpretation. Jesus paints a picture of leadership in the church according to his design. He paints a picture, and he doesn't just say it to the elders. He says it for everybody to hear so that we can all subscribe to what he means by lead. And so let's look at this very quickly, and you'll see when he says exercise oversight, he describes it with three different pairs of do, not do, do, not do, this, not this, okay? And so he says, elders, lead. And here's how you're to lead, okay? Here's my picture of leadership as you exercise oversight. Not under compulsion, but willingly. Elders don't lead begrudgingly. Elders are not doing this because of pressure or guilt. How many of you can tell when somebody's dragging their feet and they're doing something out of duty and obligation? Every parent in the room raises their hand, right? I don't know where my three-year-old learned it, but he's, he's got the, the uh, I call it the, the rebellious huff. Any of your children have that? Hey, I need you to put your clothes in the hamper. Last I checked, that was a fairly reasonable request. I mean, clothes go into the clothing receptacle, right? My people, you get it. Would you please put your clothes in the hamper? <sighs> I'm like, babe, I think our kids got asthma, but there's something wrong with their breathing right now. This is, this is pap. <sighs> Do it fine. This is crazy. Begrudgingly. That's what that is. Not willingly. Under compulsion. Under duress. They're being coerced into something. How many of you want to follow that? How about on the flip side? Can you tell when somebody is doing something out of willful gladness? Out of a joyful privilege? I get to do this. How many of you like to follow those kind of leaders, right? They are clearly exuberant. They love what they do. They consider it a privilege. Jesus says, elders are glad to lead. Elders in a local church are freely stepping forward to carry the burden of oversight. Elders willingly take the position of the buck stops with me. I will give an account to Jesus level of responsibility. Elders aren't coerced into this. They aspire to it. Not out of ambition, out of a willingness to do what God has called them to do. This is how God would have you to lead. I'm just curious, speak to the men for a moment in this room, right? If there's a man in here who, even as I as I talk about this, even as we read these scriptures, I wonder if you're here and, and you feel an internal compulsion when we have these conversations. Maybe you're here this morning and, and your pulse quickens as we read this text. Maybe you feel a zeal swell up inside of you. You aspire to lead. There's, there's something in you that says, I think I'm meant to be doing more. Maybe God's speaking to you. I don't know. I, I don't know what's happening in your heart, but maybe. Maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe he does have more for you. And there's only one way to find out. Take your next level of responsibility. Because whoever's faithful with little will be faithful with much. We see that the willingness to lead at the highest level of burden care, I should say the lowest level, because it's the kingdom of God, right? Whoever's at the bottom of the pile carrying the most weight and the brunt of it, 
you've seen that character trait form well before that responsibility of leadership. Okay? So I'll say that. Leaders lead willingly. Look at the second thing he says. I want you to lead. I want you to exercise oversight, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Elders, we are leading for their gain, not our advantage. The aim of our ministry, the aim of our leadership is their well-being, not our comfort, their health, not our privilege. Greed, exploitative behavior have no place in the life of an elder. Let's say it this way. If we were to be cut open and our motives exposed to the, all the world, would we shy back in embarrassment? Would we shy back in shame to go caught? Or would we say, no, I can still say with my chest, I can still lead eagerly and confidently because I know with a clean conscience, I'm not doing this for what I get, I'm doing this for what I'm called to give. Elders lead, not for shameful gain, but eagerly with a clean conscience and a clear heart to go, I'm doing what God has called me to do. Next week, come back next week, because we're going to talk a lot about leading for shameful gain. Ezekiel 34, and God himself comes and says, woe to the shepherds who do not feed my sheep. So you don't want to miss next week. Elders are to lead willingly, eagerly, and then number three, he says, not domineering. Oh man, this is hard. Elders are an authority. Period. Elders are your authority. Period. Feel that squirming inside of you? We're going to talk about that. You feel that thing inside of you that goes, ooh, wild? Elders are your authority. But let me speak to the elders. Elders, you are to be in authority without being authoritarian. We are servant leaders. We don't tower over the sheep in a domineering fashion. No, no, we are down among them, leading by example. Shepherds smell like the sheep. I think of, you know when you go to war, right? You're just so desperate, and you're like, I just got to break, I got to go in there. This is one thing, right? And you finally find somebody to help you, and you say, where can I find this? And they point, I'm 27B. And they don't make eye contact. Don't ask for more help. I'm like, clearly you want to help me, you know, but whatever. And they point, go get it over there. How many of you know, I don't know why, the target is different. You know what I mean? Target's my people. I'm a, I'm a target guy, you know. I don't know why, but target, I go, hey, I'm looking for this. And they go, let me show you. And they, and they say, follow me to aisle 23. And then it gets uncomfortable because they're showing you like 14 different types of shampoo and body wash. Like, I just wanted a little bit of direction. And I feel like I have to like, it's like when you, uh, when you buy a timeshare, you feel the pressure. I'm like, I'll buy all the shampoos. You're right. I'll buy all of them. Where was I going? Elders. <laughs> Elders don't point and say, go over there. Elders say, follow me like this. Examples for the flock of God. Elders lead. Maybe I can just summarize it very simply like this. I'll take this off. Exercise oversight. Elders lead how? Like Christ. Jesus, the good shepherd of this flock, he never sat back passively. The ball was always in his court. Jesus willingly took ownership. He was never self-serving. He was never domineering. He was gentle. He never snuffed out a smoldering wick. He never broke off a, a broken reed or a crushed reed. Quite the opposite. He would lay down his life as the ultimate example of obedience to the Jesus is so good. So elders, WWJD, oh Jesus, how would Jesus lead? Lead like Christ. And here's what you have to look forward to. This is what I look forward to. And when the chief shepherd appears. How many of you know that on marriage Monday, I eventually come home, right? Me and my wife, we come home and we relieve the babysitter. And so this is what I do. I walk in and I, and I kiss the kids and I make sure they're sound. I look around the house. Nothing's on fire. And if everything was well, if the babysitter did her job, I will turn to her and I will commend her. And I will compensate her. 
I will commend her. Well done, my good and faithful babysitter. Are you free next Monday? Gotta get him booked. Gotta get him booked. And I will compensate her. You have taken care of what I entrusted to you. Friends, we learned this last week, Mark 13. Jesus is coming back. The shepherd is coming back. And when he does, he will relieve, not the babysitters, he will relieve the under-shepherd. And he'll say, I'll take it from here for all of eternity. And forever we will be with the Lord. And he will commend you. And he will compensate you. And his reward is an unfading crown. Elders will receive a crown that you never need to shine. You never have to have it refurbished. It never wears out. And this crown, whether you're like me walking around heaven, wearing it as a badge of honor, or whether you keep it on your nightstand, that's up to you, elder. Whatever you do with your crown, just know this, that the enduring nature of that crown will be an enduring reminder of the time that you served on earth as a faithful shepherd of God's flock. You will receive the crown. And elders, Peter shows us that it is okay to dream and to long for the future reward as motivation for faithful present, uh, present faithfulness. It is okay to remind our hearts of the reward to come in order that we may stay engaged and continue to do the hard things in this moment. You will receive a reward. We're not doing this for the reward or the gratitude or the appreciation of the sheep. That's nice. We love thank yous. But we're not doing it for the earthly thank yous. We're doing it for the heavenly reward. We're not doing this for the applause of the sheep. We're doing this for the applause of the nail-scarred hands. In whose hands the sheep are held. On hard days, don't forget, friends, elders, as a fellow elder, I remind you, we're going to get the crown of glory. Man, I want that crown of glory. Some of you guys, maybe you're like, I don't understand why he's so proud. I want the crown of glory. It is no secret. I, you know why? You know why I want the crown? Not because of some earthly value or monetary. No, I want the crown because that means I finished faithfully. I want the crown because that means I got to the end of my race and I finished and I ran well. And I'm telling you, friends, I'm not trying to PR here. Your elders are not trying to, to impress anybody. We're not trying to break records. We're just trying to finish well. As long as we're still standing, no matter how much we're limping or hurting, we can stand up our race and we can just break that finish line and get the crown. That means that we were kept faithful. It means that we're not like the dozens of my friends who are leaving the ministry and having moral failures and abusing their church and just the garbage that is, that is happening in the kingdom of God. And Peter says, don't go down with the ship. Don't be like those who are going down and dropping like flies. He goes, don't you remember? There's a crown of glory that awaits you. Shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd the flock of God. Elders, shepherd the flock of God. And verse 5, how he ends it. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Final point, church. In humility, follow the leaders. In humility, follow the leaders. He's been talking to the elders, right? Loud enough so that way everybody can hear. He's been talking to the elders. Make sure you exercise oversight. Make sure you don't domineer over them. Make sure you're willing to do this, not for shameful gain. But then he turns to you. He turns to the congregation and he says, be subject to the elders. Follow your leaders. Not because they're perfect. They're not. Not because you voted for your candidate. You didn't. But because this is my plan. Local eldership is Jesus' design. And so follow Jesus by following those that he's put in your charge. Hebrews 13. Somebody's going to read this to their kids this week, but I'm going to get some weird emails from 12-year-olds. But listen. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls, 
as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I feel like I say that to my kids all the time. Like, listen, you're going to eat the broccoli one way or another. You can either make this a joy to feed you or a burden, but you're going to be fed, right? Like, I love you. I'm for you. I'm doing this for you. Can you make it a joy? And he says to the congregation, your elders are doing this for you. Would you make it a joy to leave you? Make it a joy to shepherd you and oversee you? Look at this. Every single one of you will stand before Jesus and give an account. That every single human being will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for their life. But elders go through the line twice. Do you know that? Elders go through the line twice. One for our own souls, but then we're also going to give account for all of the sheep that have been entrusted to our care. That's a burden. And I'm going to say, at East Point Church, eldering is not the position of honor and privilege. This is not the good old boys club. This is not the fraternity that the big thing is. The fraternity all stinks to be you. This is a position of burden. Yes, we do it gladly. Yes, we do it willingly because Jesus has called us to do it. But there's no, there's no like levity. It's not a levity of, uh, of uh, it's not a cavalier situation. We're not like, oh yeah, no big deal. We're an elder. And to a man in that room, every single elder knows this is heaven. Every single month when we get together to pray for the sheep, we, we tell each other, we're practicing, we're giving an account to each other. Hey, did you check in with your sheep? Hey, have you called your sheep? Are you praying for your sheep? We're holding each other accountable because we're just practicing for the day where we are accountable to Jesus himself. And so in light of that burden, in light of the responsibility that they have before God, he says to them, follow your leaders. Follow your leaders. If you follow Christ, then plan to follow those that he's placed over you as under shepherds. I know what you're all thinking right now, right? Easier said than done. <laughs> Sam, it sounds so simple when you say it from the pulpit, but then Tuesday comes and, ah! What is this inside of me, right? Because the reality is sometimes there's pain. Sometimes there's hurt. Oftentimes there's offense. Sometimes we have wounds and there's mistrust and there's cynicism. And all of these things can keep us from genuinely following from the heart. We can, we can say the right things, but from the heart, that's hard. And so here's my encouragement to you as your pastor. Here's my encouragement. Whatever is happening in your heart, whatever you're experiencing in your soul, work it out. So that you can bring your heart back to a place where you can genuinely follow the leadership that God's put over you. Whatever it is, I don't know what it is. I don't know your story. Pain, mistrust, cynicism, abuse, suspicion, pride, preference, whatever it is in your heart that keeps you from uh, work it out. Talk it out. So that you can bring your heart back to a place where you are willingly and gladly And Peter knows. Peter knows that as soon as somebody starts drawing org charts, <laughs> as soon as we start talking about roles and responsibilities, as soon as we start using words like leader and submit and obey and follow, there, there's something inside of us that starts to growl. You know what I'm talking about? You didn't know sheep growl, but there's something. We start talking about this. We go, I don't know. Some people are like, look at you. I see it. Some of you are like, I don't like this. I don't, there's something here. I don't know what it is. Primal, right? Just something starts to buck when we start following. Follow what? There's just there's something right here. I feel it too. And you know what it is? It's pride. I'm going to say it out loud because it helps me mortify my own flesh. I'm not going to pretend we're more noble. It's, okay. it's pride. I don't want to bend. I don't want to submit. I don't want to yield. And so Peter, diagnosing us better than we can diagnose ourselves, he goes, here's what you need to do. You need to clothe yourselves with humility. This is not like you get, you know, you get dressed in the morning and you do a little one of these, spread them. All du toilette, la humility. No, 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 this is not those spritz of humility. He says, clothe yourselves. 
from head to foot, the very things you are wearing, the robes that envelop your body. I am dressed in all of humility in order for this to work. In order for this church to operate at the level of Jesus' design, we must take a big breath and clothe ourselves in humility. Who's he talking to? Where are we at? Is he, is he talking to the elders to be humble, or is he talking to the congregation? Which way is he facing at this point? What do you guys think? Who's he talking to? All of you. All of y'all. The Southern Bible translation says. Elders. Congregation. Leaders. Followers. Everybody. You've got to clothe yourself with humility. So elders... Lead with humility those whom you oversee. Elders, it is humility that will allow us to repent and apologize when we fail people and hurt their feelings. It's humility that will produce empathy and compassion for those that we lead because we know that we're no better than them. It's humility that makes us weep when we see the, sin, the sheep sin and not roll our eyes. Because we know if we were not for the grace of God, none of us are above that. It's humility, elders, that keep us from taking ourselves too seriously, but to continue to take Jesus very seriously. Elders, it is humility that will allow you to shepherd the flock of God, just between you and me and everybody listening. Congregation, church, beloved sheep of God, clothe yourselves in humility. It's humility that will enable you to follow even when the way forward is different than what you would have expected. It's humility that allows you to follow even when it's your preferences that are not chosen. It's humility that will allow you to hear the, the earnest feedback and genuine exhortation of your elders. It's humility that gets you to sign the paperwork so that your elders can care for a growing flock thoroughly and know who they're responsible for. Shameless plug for ministry partnership. It's humility that causes you to pray for and encourage your leaders, not tear them down. And it's humility that allows you to give them grace because you know that you're a flawed human being too. And if you were in their position, who knows if you'd do much better. Clothe yourselves in humility. <coughs> so here's what I want to do. You ever, you ever go over to, to, a, to a property or a building or, or like the back door of a business and have a big keep out sign? Keep out employees only. Keep out smokers. I don't know. Keep out people with dogs. You know, it's just like keep out, right? Like that's, that's a pretty common sign. I want to put a keep out sign at East Point Church right on the front door. I want to be that church that has a keep out sign. But I'm not talking to people. I'm not talking to specific individuals. I want to say keep out pride. Keep out pride. Keep out arrogance. Keep out a mentality or an attitude that says, well, I'm better than others around me. Keep out a judgmental arrogance that looks at other people as if they're not flawed themselves. Keep out arrogance that looks down on others simply because they're different. Keep out pride. That's the keep out sign. Because none of this will work with pride in the this is counterculture we're talking. Elders, submit, follow, obey. What is this? The first century? No, it's 2023, and the design is just as good today as it was back then. But if it's going to work, friends, we need to be humble so that we can be a church. Right? We know that God opposes the proud, but here's the promise. If we operate with humility, we'll have grace. And grace is where the magic happens. You know what I'm saying? The grace is that, that, that lubricant that just gets in between all the grinding gears and it's like, yeah, I know we're not perfect, but grace, God will give it to us. Grace forward, grace in our organization, grace in our leadership, grace in our community groups, grace in our church, grace in our families, grace in our people, grace in our marriages, grace on you, East Point Church. If we're humble, if we continue to strive to be a church where we take seriously the call, to shepherd the flock of God.
Let's pray. Father in heaven, who is sufficient for these things? What a call. What a design that you have put forward. And so Lord, would you give us grace? Would you help us to maintain humility? Would you help us to not take ourselves too seriously, but just to take you seriously? And so Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would bless this point with healthy leadership, with a humble congregation. Father, I pray that East Point Church, that there would just be an abnormal level of affection and gratitude for their leaders, that this would be one of those one of those movies where it's, I love you more, no, I love you more, no, I love you, Lord, may we as elders and congregation just be so overflowing of love for one another, God, in humility, doing what you've called us to do, to lead sacrificially like Christ, and then to humbly follow those that Christ has put in charge. You're the shepherd, Lord. We look forward to the day that you come back. I look forward to the crown of glory. Keep our elders. Protect their families. Those who are on the front lines of spiritual warfare. God, keep your hedge of protection around them. Guard their marriages. Guard their children. Keep their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we just pray that everything that happens here would be to elevate and exalt the of Jesus Christ. May people see what, what we're doing and not go, what a cool idea. They go, what a good God. What a great design that Jesus has put together. And may many people come into the sheepfold of God because they realize because of the earthly pictures of shepherds, because of the earthly positions of leaders, may they realize wow, leadership, good leadership is possible. And all of that is a reflection of Jesus. I want to follow him. That's what we pray for. And many people follow we thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. And are you grateful for the word this morning? Grateful for the time. Thank you, God. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.